Hello. Welcome to the Bore You to Sleep podcast. The podcast that will hopefully help you get to sleep. I am going to read an open source book, one that is not particularly interesting, but one that is hopefully boring enough to get you to sleep. Celebrated Women Travellers of the 19th Century, written by W. H. Davenport Adams, who lived between 1828 and 1891. This book was written during their lifetime. The 19th century saw the expansion and popularity of travel among the wealthy. Add to this the independence more women were enjoying as they were released from work in the home and we have the recipe for some intrepid female travellers. We will cover off some of the stories of such adventurous women. Countess Dora de Istria The Princess Helena Koltov Malkaski, better known by her pseudonym of Dora de Istria, came of the family of the Gikas, formerly princess of Wallachia, and was born at Bucharest on the 22nd of January 1829. Through the care and consciousness of her instructor Mons, Papadopoulos, and her own remarkable capacity, she acquired a very complete and comprehensive education, when but eleven years old, she composed a charming little story, and before she had reaped womanhood, undertook a translation of the Iliad. She showed no inclination for the frivolous amusements of a frivolous society. Her view of life and its responsibilities was a serious one, and she addressed all her energies to work of self-improvement and self-culture. She read and re-read the literary masterpieces of England, France and Germany. As a linguist, she earned special distinction. Her intellectual faculties, says her master, M. Papadopoulos, expanded with so much rapidity that the professors charged with her instruction could not keep any other pupil abreast of her in the same studies. Not only did she make a wholly unexpected and unhoped for progress, but it became necessary for her teachers to employ with her a particular method. Her genius could not only submit to the restraint of ordinary rules, she was still in the springtime and flush of youth when she went on to tour to Germany and visited several German courts, where she excited the same sentiments of admiration as in her own country. It was possible to see her without being attracted by so much intellect, grace and amiability. Travelling enlarged her horizon, she was able to survey, as from a watchtower, the course of great political events, and she found herself mixing continually 
with the most celebrated savants and statesmen of the age. Her friendly relations with persons of very diverse opinions, while enabling her to compare and contrast a great variety of theories, did but strengthen in her the idea of sentiment of liberty, which can alone conduct society to its true aim. Finally, from the Italian Revolution of 1848, which awoke her warmest sympathies, she learned to understand the fatal consequences of despotic government, as well as the inevitable mistakes of freedom, when she unfettered and allowed to walk alone. At the age of 20 she was married, February 1849, and soon afterwards she went out for St. Petersburg, where she was recognised as the ornament of the higher society. In the midst of her numerous engagements, in the midst of the homage rendered to her wit and grace, she found time to collect a mass of valuable notes on to condition and inner life of the great Russian Empire, several provinces of which she knew from personal observation. From St. Petersburg to Moscow, from Odessa to Ravel, her untiring activity carried her. Most social questions are at work under an apparent calm, and offer therefore subjects well worthy of careful study especially to so grave and clear an intellect as that of Princess Dora de Istria, who possessed in the highest degree the faculty of steady meditation amidst the movement and the world stir that surrounded her. The world, charmed by her personal attractions, had no suspicion of the relentless inactivity of her inquiring mind. Her departure to the south brought her inquiries and investigations to an end. She had suffered so much from the terrible winters of the great northern capital, and her health was so seriously shaken that her doctors presented to her the grave alternative of departure or death in 1855. The Princess Dora de Istria, as we have hinted, was a fine linguist. She made herself a mistress of nine languages. Her historical erudition was profound. Her mind was continually in search of new knowledge, she seemed to have inherited from one of her illustrious friends, M. von Humboldt, that fever of study, that insatiable ardour, which, if not genius, is closely akin to it. The great Berlin philosopher and the young Wallachian writer lived for some time in an intellectual confraternity, which no doubt is to this day one of the most valuable souvenirs of the brilliant author of La Vie Monastique d'Anne's L'Anglais Oriental. In reference to this subject, we take leave to quote a passage from the graceful pen of M. Charles Riart.
The scene lies at Sans Souci, in one of the celebrated saloons where the great Frederick supped with Voltaire, D'Alembert, and Maupertius. Old Fritz has been dead a hundred years, but the court of Prussia, under the rule of Frederick William, is still the asylum of Beaux Esprits. The time is the first and brilliant period of his reign, when the king gathers around him artists and men of science, and writes to Humboldt invitations to dinner in verse, which he seals with the great seal of state, in order that the philosopher may have no excuse for absenting himself. A few years later, and, alas, artists and poets give place to soldiers. The whole of the royal family are collected at a summer fete, and with them the most famous names in art and science and some strangers of distinction. The prince has recently received a consignment of ancient sculptures and works of art, and while the royal family saunter among the groves of Schallenthof M. von Humboldt and the aged Rauch, the Prussian sculptor, examine them and investigate their secrets. Rauch is a grand type of a man. This senior or doyen of the German artists, who died overwhelmed with glory and honours, had been a valet de chambre in the princess Louise's household. He had followed the princess to Rome, where among the masterpieces of antiquity and of the Renaissance, she had divined the budding genius of him who was to carve in everlasting marble the monumental figure of the great Frederick. These two illustrious men are bending over a basso relievo with a Greek inscription when the king enters. He is accompanied by a gentleman who has on either arm a fair young girl in the spring of her youth and beauty. The king invites M. von Humboldt to explain the inscription and the gallant old man goes straight to one of the young girls, excusing himself for not attempting to translate it in the presence of one of the greatest Hellenists of the time. Come, your highness, he says, make the oracle speak. And the young princess reads off the inscription fluently, setting down M. von Humboldt's ignorance to the account of his politeness. The king compliments the handsome stranger, and Raunch, struck by her great beauty, inquires of his friend who may be this fair, sweet muse, who gives him the marbles the tongue of eloquence who, young and lovingly as an antique Venus, seems already as wise and prudent as Minerva. You see that it is a pretty tableau de genre, worthy of the brush of Menzel, the German painter, or the French masonier. 
For background, the canvas will have the picturesque Louise Quetzal, interiors of San Suchi. In the foreground, the king and the great Humboldt, who reclines and inclines towards the young girl, farther off, her sister leaning on their father's arm, and the aged Rauch, who closes up the scene and holds in his hand the bas-relief. That young girl, who has just given a proof of her erudition, is Helena Gika, now famous under the literary pseudonym of Dora d'Istria. The old man is the Prince Michael, her father, whose family originally of Epirus has for the last two centuries been established in the Danubian principalities and has supplied Wallachia with hospitals. The other young lady is Helena's sister. And that is the end of the story for now. I hope that you enjoyed it to a certain extent, but not enough so that it keeps you awake. You're welcome to listen to one of the other stories and hopefully fall asleep to one of them. At least get you sleepy and rested. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying the stories for as long as you like.